Welcome to the Radically Christian Crosstalk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 3. On this episode, I'd like to invite you to listen to a conversation that I recently had with my Crosstalk co-hosts, James Sumners and Sam Dominguez. This conversation is about right and wrong ways to listen to sermons and Bible classes. The Crosstalk Podcast is not a Bible class or even a formal Bible study. It's simply a spiritual conversation among friends that we hope you'll find edifying and that it will encourage you to have these types of spiritual conversations with people in your life. And now let's jump right into that conversation. As a preacher, I I want to communicate well. I want to think about how I communicate. I want to think not only about what I'm communicating, but how that I'm, how I'm doing it, and and make sure that I'm doing so in a in an effective way. Um, but unfortunately, sometimes I get very critical of other people when I listen to them and focus on their style rather than on what they're saying, and so. Uh, that becomes, uh, I think, a very negative way to listen, a, a wrong way to listen to a Bible class or to a sermon in that I'm not focusing on or discerning whether or not they are preaching or teaching God's Word so much as I am just on whether or not they're holding the audience's attention. I used to do that a lot when I'd go to youth rallies. I'd look around at the young people and, well, you know, I mean, and yes, of course, we want to hold the young people's attention, but um, I don't know why I would necessarily blame the speaker. It, you know, this a certain amount of the the blame falls with the young people. You know, that just weren't listening; they just didn't care. Um, but my my critique was always to the to the preacher. It was always. Ugh. Why can't he use a story? Why can't he illustrate his point? Why can't he make a point? Why can't he whatever? He's not holding people's attention. They don't care. You know, he's got to step it up a notch. And so, so that unfortunately um, is is a negative or a bad way that I have of of listening sometimes to to preachers and teachers is critiquing their their style. I think it's important that we we be able to to a certain extent be able to separate the message and and the messenger. Uh, not completely, obviously, but to be able to to recognize uh, what's important in what's happening when someone is presenting a message from God's Word. And a lot of times, what we're looking for is to be excited, to be encouraged, to be uh, uplifted. And the question is, what are we wanting to have give that to us? Are we wanting to be uplifted by the Word, by the truth? Or are we wanting this individual, this man standing before me, to do that labor for me, to lift me up, to hold my attention, uh, because I can't be bothered to, uh, uh, you know, be interested in God's word and God's truth for me. I need you to present it in such a way that I can't look away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you need to present it to me in such a way that I understand it, whether I want to or not, almost against my will, you know, and. When we when we can properly separate those things in our mind and understand what is supposed to be edifying is the truth of God's word, then we can recognize that it's edifying whether it's just us reading it privately, whether it is hearing the word read by someone else directly, or by hearing someone present a message from God's word. The important thing is the truth of that message and whether they have successfully communicated the truth, not whether they have necessarily done all the hard work uh, on my behalf. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes I think one of, one of the things that I've probably erred in as far as my thinking of how we should look at it, I I put more of the emphasis on myself to some degree maybe than, 
the person doing that. It's completely my responsibility to be the, to be paying attention. I mean, not that it's not. I mean, it is, and I firmly believe that we need to be paying attention, and that we need to bring all of ourself and all of our attention and all of our love for God and all of our praise and glory, not just for when we sing, because you know, it, listening to someone speak about the Word of God, to reading the Word of God, it's not something that we that someone else does and we're independent of it when we're worshiping together, but it's something that, in a sense, we need to be kind of doing together. Whereas I'm an active participant by listening and paying attention and allowing my brain to consume what's being said and, and digesting it and understanding, is this is this true? Is this good? Do I know enough about what he's talking about to be able to actually discern what whether it is good and true? And, 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 then, and then consider it and understand it and try to put it into practice and think about these things. But, if, but I usually have probably erred on the side of thinking, that it's mostly my responsibility, that it's less the responsibility of, and I, I mean, it's just, I'm just saying this out loud because I, I think this is probably true. This is how I've usually thought about it when someone has brought up, well, they're not very interesting. I'm usually like, well, that's completely your fault. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't get anything out of that lesson, then you weren't paying attention. And that may be somewhat true, but, but at the same time, um, I think it it is important that that we do at least as our our best as people who are presenting the word of God to treat it with the love that we have for God and express it as best as we can um, for the purpose of getting people interested in as much as we are trying to convey the truth. Well, I mean, we we have to be passionate about the truth, Amen. and we have to have. I mean, what 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 is our desire? That that's really the mm-hmm. question. What is what is the desire uh, that you have when you are uh, preaching or teaching a lesson from God's Word. If you are incorporating a great manner of communication tools and methodologies and all these other different things, uh, being dynamic and so on and so forth, for the sole purpose of holding people's attention for no other reason than having their attention, or for making them feel like something really interesting was happening, you know, because we can use all these communication tools to mask the fact that there's there's no substance there. While at the same time, if we are passionate about the fact that we want the truth to be communicated into these people's lives, that their lives can be transformed by that truth. And we're not we're not just spreading it out there and it's like, well, you know, the, the message is yours, have fun with it. No, it's, I'm telling you this truth because I desire that your life be transformed to be more pleasing to God. Then we will take steps in order to better communicate with that, uh, that to people. We will try and make ourselves improve, while at the same time we have to recognize what communication tools are actually beneficial to that and which ones are distracting to that, mm-hmm. which ones are actually just drawing attention to me and away from the truth. But and I think in both cases, whether you're the listener or the speaker, it is your responsibility mm-hmm. to uh, achieve the goal. And in the case of, as the listener, my goal is to gain as much from that lesson as possible so that I can then go back and consider whether these things are true. And if so, take action in my life. And then as the speaker, I have the goal to present that information in such a way so that people can respond appropriately. And so if we're both doing what is equally our responsibility, then we will have an edifying worship service. Uh, unfortunately for a lot of us, we're, we're going to be slack in one way or the other, you know, because there have been speakers, uh, I have occasionally, 
uh, leaned a little too heavily on the fact that, well, it's your responsibility to pay attention here. You know, the, this is important stuff that I'm, I'm telling to you, uh, but I'm not communicating that. I am not showing my love for God. I'm not showing my passion for God's word. While at the same time, we need to recognize just the differences in people. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I can tell you, uh, when, when Wes first started preaching here, uh, I mean, that was kind of why our, our first topic was, was spiritual jealousy and whatnot, because there's so many similarities between Wes and I in just, in just personality and style and different things like that. But there were multiple times when you, and still to this day, where you will preach something, and well, that's not the way I would have expressed that. And my mind will latch on to that. I was like, well, well, I would have said it this way, and I think that would have been better. And next thing you know, I'm not listening to you anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm considering how I would have preached that message mm-hmm. instead of listening to that message so that I can go home and be edified by that. And having that, that consciousness of it has more recently really allowed me to set that aside and who cares how I would have preached this message. Wes is preaching this message and I need to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like what you said, thinking about the goal of it, and that that's something that as a preacher that I think about a lot. And I wonder how often do I think about that when I'm visiting a congregation or when I'm sitting in someone else's Bible class, what is my goal here? And, and I, I mean, I'm afraid that there's been times when I haven't thought about the goal, when the only real goal is, and I'm afraid that there's a lot of Christians that we could fall into that category where the goal is to spend the hour. That That's the goal. I'm supposed to be here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm, I'm punching my time card, even though we would never actually consciously think of it that way. We're thinking, I'm supposed to be here. I'm doing my Christian duty, and I'd rather be engaged in it than I would not be engaged in it. So... Um, I would prefer a better speaker than a worse speaker, and so I, I just want to get through this hour as painlessly as possible. And I'm afraid that that's how a lot of people view, especially the worship hour, but even the Bible class hour. There's a lot of Christians that go to Bible class simply because they think that they should, and they go there, and they they just want to get through it. I, I don't want to have to comment, necessarily. Um I don't want anybody to call on me. I just want to get through this as painlessly as possible. And when that's our goal, and we're putting the entire responsibility on someone else to drag us out, kicking and screaming out of ourselves, and focus on the message, the truth is very seldom will we get anything out of it, of of any substantial uh, means. But, but, um, you know, if we really thought about it, Man, how much more would we get out of sermons and Bible classes if before we we went we said I am going to find God's will and God's word and God's truth in this message and I am going to apply it to my life and I'm going to be different because of God's word this week I'm going to be different I'm going to do something differently I'm going to improve I'm going to be transformed based on the truth that I find in God's word. Man, I mean, there would be so many things, but instead we're like, well, you know, I'd like to learn a little bit something if I could, or, you know, I'd like to, you know, I don't, we just want it to be painless and maybe learn a little nugget so we can go home and be like, huh, wasn't that interesting? I never thought of that before. You know, and it's like, but are we really desiring to be better next week, be more pleasing to God next week than we were this previous week? That'd be an awesome way to go into a lesson saying, I will be transformed. I will be transformed today. Keeps making me think about Sam's uh, 
discussions and the the things that we've talked about and the lessons on uh, on the overflow. And we've thought about listening from the overflow. That we're so mm-hmm. full of the love of God and the desire to learn more that we can't help but pay attention. Not so that we can, well, oh, well he missed that. He didn't say this thing, or or he said that totally wrong. But but that wow, the word of God and how amazing that is, and 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 allowing it to to really fill us up to, with a desire to hear what someone has to say, to, to to listen to see, is there something that I've missed that he can convey to me today that I can take and, and add to my understanding of faith and build up or refresh me, mm-hmm. encourage me? Because sometimes, so many times, I mean, most m- many of us have read the Bible through multiple times, and we we you know we we get to a point where we feel like and and this is our own fault feel like well this yeah i've heard it before i've i've heard it all i've i i know i know this stuff but we don't have it a fresh desire in our heart to be filled with the with uh with the word of god we've lost our love we've lost that first love that we have with god and 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 we need to restore that so that we can have the ears that desire to hear what what uh, God has to say. I think we, we so often lose sight of the, the perfect metaphor that God gave us in describing his word as being food, as being sustenance for our lives and recognizing we, we, none of us would say, well, if, if you're going to entice me to eat, then it had better be something I've never had before, and it had better be whiz-bang, and there better be candles and sparklers and all this other kind of nonsense. As, as though to say, if you put down in front of me a plate of hearty sustenance that I love, well, I'm going to reject that. Well, nonsense. None of us treat our food that way, and some of us treat our food even less so than others in that manner. And yet, if we could, if we actually have like James is saying, a hunger for God's word, then it's not going to matter if a guy gets up there and says the same thing you've heard a hundred times because it's going to be just as edifying. It's going to be just as much of a reminder to you that, yes, God is true. How often did the Israelites have to be reminded of God's faithfulness and his promises? Don't tell me that we can't benefit from having the same truths repeated to us time and time again. It doesn't even need to be something that I've overlooked. It can just be, I'm not applying this diligently, and I need that reminder. Or I am applying this diligently, but someone else may not be, but it's still glorifying to God for that truth to be expressed. Mm -hmm. Because we put ourselves in a position sometimes where we are demanding so much from the speaker that we exclude the the transitions of humanity. Mm-hmm. You know, there are going to be times where there is an older preacher who all he can do is stand behind the pulpit and, and speak to you, and it may not be the most exciting thing in the world from a visual dynamic standpoint, but he conveys the truth to you, and if you love the truth, you'll sit there. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when we're teaching young men how to lead, how to teach, and how to preach— the odds that they're going to get up there and say something you've never heard before, you don't really want them to, because that means they're probably off track somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're going to get up there and they're going to preach the same lesson every other young man preaches. And it's going to be glorifying to God because that young man is communicating the truth. Mm-hmm. And we just have to get our heads 
outside of what our expectations are. My expectations are to be edified by the truth of God's Word, and that can be conveyed to me in a super wonderful way or a poor way that makes me struggle, but that's what I'm seeking out. I mean, it it reminds me of Paul, his own self-criticism in which he said, the person who writes to you so boldly but doesn't speak to you Mm -hmm. boldly. Well, Paul apparently wasn't that dynamic. Now, who knows how much self-criticism that was? I'm sure listening to Paul was, was amazing. But he says to his, his, uh, uh, the people who received his letter, I don't speak to you very boldly, except when I'm, I'm writing. And yet there were times when he preached until people fell out of windows. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just we have to get our heads wrapped around what we actually want. What are we hungering and thirsting for? And if it's God's word... Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be all gussied up. And and so often, and I'm so glad you pointed that out, I had never thought about that really, that so often we are so individualistic when it comes to listening to a lesson that it's like, well, I know this already. I, I've and, and sometimes we even say, well, I've, I've heard this lesson. This this preacher, he preached the same sermon three years ago, you know, and, <laughs> and it's like, well, wait a second. What makes you think that it's about you, Wes? I mean, what, what makes you think that it's about you as the individual listener? It's really about the church, that the church might be edified, that the church might grow. And so, yes, maybe the preacher has repeated this lesson, but maybe he knows something that you don't know. Maybe he knows that there are still those that need to apply this— that that aren't, that should, that can, but just are not doing it. And that, um, you know, but so often we don't want what's best for the church. We want what what we want. You know, it's like, well, but I want to hear a sermon on such and such. It's like, well, okay, but but what does the church need? What's the best for the, the body of Christ? And like you said, if we're hungry and, and thirsting for righteousness and that God be glorified and that we be edified— and that that the church the church be strengthened that we want what is best for the church that we are just a, a small body part of this larger body but so often we don't think of it that way we think about my life what I want to hear right now what I need to hear right now uh, rather than what the church needs to hear well, so so often I'm, I'm sorry James it's just so, so often we live our lives uh, in such a way that well I have a right to be picky about that meal because that's the only time I'm gonna eat mm, yeah well well if that's when it really does come down to being your problem. That's right. Because the, the preacher or the Bible class teacher is not supposed to be your sole source of sustenance. You know, you have the word, you can go feast on God's mm-hmm. word anytime. Mm-hmm. The message doesn't need to be that very thing that you most definitely needed to hear that morning. Mm-hmm. It needs to be whatever he felt was was necessary and beneficial and edifying to preach and to teach. And especially for some of us. Have you ever been asked to teach something that you didn't feel like teaching, that you didn't feel like preparing a lesson for and presenting to other people, and yet that was the thing that needed to be done? And so you you just have to get those expectations fixed. You know, I, just talking about this, I always, every now and then I like to look at, uh, um, just go look at Bibles and, uh, um, you know, what's, you know, different things different types of Bibles um, and, and whatnot. And the more I look at it, I the Bible, like Bible stores have this weirdest marketing that doesn't make any sense to me. The more I look at it, you've got, you've got, well, Bibles for, for this kind of person and a Bible for that kind of person. And you've got like lifestyle themed Bibles. And it's like, what's the content of this? I mean, are we concerned... It's like, well, this isn't a Bible for men. This is a Bible for women. This isn't a Bible for adults. It's a Bible for kids. This isn't a fun Bible. It's 
it, this this is the boring Bible. I remember a kid got uh, and it was in a, like we have one in the room, the Adventure Bible, and and he's like, I don't I don't have an Adventure Bible. I only had an, a Holy Bible, you know, and <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's like r- ridiculous that we only a Holy Bible. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> that's but that's that's this way we're thinking is mm-hmm. well. I came to hear. I wanted to hear a lesson about about fathers today because I'm struggling as a father. I, I wanted to hear a lesson about about how to deal with my coworkers, or I want to hear a lesson about how to deal with my spouse or whatever. It's like, well, the Bible wasn't written to to uh, spouses or or um, or men or women or children or preachers or deacons or elders it was written to the children of god it, it was, was written, written to all of them <laughs> it was written to all, all of, of them and, <laughs> and and i think we need to get past that and understand that the word of god is intended to build all of us up and every word that can be spoken whether it's to someone who doesn't necessarily like maybe if you're talking about fathers there's things that when we're talking about fathers that even it'll apply to men who aren't fathers I mean, we we can't we can't say, well, that doesn't apply to me, or or I'm not really interested in that. I can learn from everything that is available in the Word of God, anytime, and I need to listen that way. Yeah, any and that's what I tell people. You know, when we first got here, a lot of for for probably a year, and I don't know how long it had been that way before that, but the the Sunday morning young families class was. Parenting and marriage, parenting and marriage, parenting and marriage, parenting and marriage. Well, there are only so many texts in the Bible that specifically address parenting and marriage. Otherwise, you're just making stuff up. You know, I mean, you're just saying, well, this psychologist says this, and this here's a good, you know, tip for for how to parent. Here's a good, which I mean, just giving personal anecdotes, right? Exactly. Yeah, stories and things. But but what what I think is true is that the better disciple of Jesus that you are. The, the better spouse you'll be, the better parent that you'll be. And so anything that elevates Christ and humiliates, it humbles me, is going to make me a better man. It's going to make me a better husband, a better parent. And so that's what I need. When I sit down, I need to listen for God to be glorified and for me to be humbled. And and ironically, that humbling edifies. You know, it, it strengthens me to be humbled and to to get outside of myself. But uh, But so often... That's not what we're looking for. We're looking for practical advice. We're looking for tips. We're looking for cute little stories that we can pass on to our coworkers and say, hey, I heard the coolest story at church the other day. And it's like, no, 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 that that's really not what you need. That might be what you want. And like you said, sometimes those become the little tricks and the little things that we use to pull people in, but it actually distracts and actually becomes a crutch to, to the truth of God's word that the better... The stronger we are theologically, the more we know about God, the better we can respond to Him in faithfulness. Uh, but so often we don't want rich theological sermons; we want "quote unquote" practical advice. You know, well, and 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 we make the same uh, mistake with Bible classes. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I I want a Bible class geared specifically to me. You know, and I've I've always. Uh, been frustrated by and and argued against uh, segregating our classes down into such finite groups of of you know this age range and this marital status and different things like that. 
Because it, when it comes down to a certain extent, it's like, well, yeah, we're going to have our little young families group, and it's going to be everybody within this little sliver of an age, and anybody else is not going to be uh, uh, participating in this class. And it's like, oh, that's great. So I can get the tips and insight of, of people my own age who've experienced nothing more than I do, and I don't get to fellowship. I don't get to hear the wisdom of my older uh, brothers and sisters. I don't get to participate in the very thing that the Scripture tells us to do, which is to have the older Christians educate and teach the younger Christians. And I think a lot of times we also fail to come to a Bible class with the proper intention. Why, why do we show up for Bible class? What is the goal? Are you prepared to study the Word are you prepared to engage? And why do we call it a class? Is it because we meet in a classroom, but nothing we're doing actually involves class-type work? Or is it because we are gathering together for a period of time so that we can engage in the Word, so that we can learn, so that we can ask questions? Uh, I've, I've never thrown off Bible class teachers more heavily than when I ask a question and I'm not prepared to answer it myself. I said, well, no, I, I'm wanting an answer from, from you. I don't, <laughs> I don't care what I think. I know what I think. I would like to hear someone else's perspective. I would like to have your wisdom shared with me. You know, but are, are we coming to class ready to engage? You know, or, or most of us, is, we're there because we think we're supposed to, and, we, and we're ready to consume the meal set before us, but we're not ready to actually engage in the preparation of that meal. We're we're not willing to go in and study and learn and come away from that Bible class having been edified because of that time where we can actually engage and participate in the study of God's Word rather than simply been, being the recipient as, as with a sermon. I think it comes down to um, how much are we willing to uh, invest in in our love for God? How much do we really love God? I, I remember teaching the high school class one time and uh talking to them about um you know if you have a if you had a especially as a youth and when you're younger and and many times maybe also when you get older you have maybe a a letter that was written from someone that you love and you may keep that and then you you read over it and 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 think about what it is and, and and the value that that has to you especially a long time ago more more of that was done uh when, when people are separated by long distances and, and you'd have that and that's the only way to, to look back to them. That's that's what we have in the Bible. We have the Word of God laid out for us um, and and it tells us all about how He loves us and all that He's done for us. And we don't look at it that way. We look at it as a history. We look at it as the story of men who loved God. But we don't look at it as a story of how God loves mankind so much and that that, that involves me and that it impacts me. And so instead of investing my heart and my mind and my soul and my strength and everything that I have in studying that and then coming to church and to be with my brothers to encourage them and to, to hear and listen to the Word of God, I come to to just be here as if that's enough, rather than to just, I've already invested my life in God, so when I come, I have something to give uh, as well as to to uh, partake in uh, when I when I hear the word of God, what what are we preparing for? What are we preparing for? Is any one of us in our secular lives, if we are preparing for something, whether it be a test, if we're going to school, or a new project at work, or a new job that we've only just had, or whatever it may be, we put in the diligent effort to be ready for that thing. But spiritually, what are we preparing for? And if all we're preparing for is to make it through the hour, then we're going to care a whole lot more about 
the dynamic techniques of the speaker and whether we, you know, or get hung up on that one thing that he said instead of listening to the whole message or coming to Bible class and just sitting there and not participating. What are we preparing for spiritually? Mm-hmm. And and do we assume that we're already prepared for it? You know, and and so so often, and that's something you know we we almost always <laughs> touch on in these podcasts is is our own pride, and that's whether it's me or others. You know, when I hear people say things, well, I kept waiting for you to say that one thing, or here's this point that you you probably should have made, or I'm sure sometime you're going to make this point or that point. You know, and it's like, wait. So you were sitting there the whole time thinking, kind of preaching it ahead of me in your mind, and you weren't really listening to what I was saying because you assumed that you already had the answer. And so, and and I'm, I've been guilty of that myself, I'm sure, that we sit down and we just, like you said earlier, James, you said, well, I've, I've read through the Bible. I, I know what it says. And it's like, so there's no way you could have forgotten anything. There, and there, you understood everything to the nth degree that you read when you read through it. And so, you know, but we we don't. I mean, none of us have this perfect understanding, nor are we completely prepared. We're, we're not, we haven't achieved it yet. Even Paul said that he was still striving towards the goal. And so, you know, we we have to sit there and think, you know what, I don't know everything. And, and perhaps I'm going to listen discerningly, you know, and I'm going to examine what this guy says in, in as it pertains to God's Word and make sure that what he's saying matches up with the truth, but I'm also not going to assume that I know everything already and that that I'm completely equipped and prepared, but but so often it's really hard. You know, I, I'll hear people say things like, uh, you know, I wish so-and-so had been there to hear that sermon because they really <laughs> needed that, you know, and it's like, okay, so, but what about you? Did you, I mean, or you're, you're already good on that, you know, but, but it's really hard not to listen that way, like we already know all the answers. And sometimes that might be the case. Sure. Maybe, maybe you didn't need to hear that message, right. but that doesn't mean it wasn't glorifying to God to sit there and hear it anyway. Right. A big thanks to my co-host and to Cameron McElyay for his help in the production of this show, and thank you to all of our listeners. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with others and leaving a rating and review on iTunes so others can be encouraged as well. As always, we want you to know that we love you, God loves you, and we hope you have a wonderful day.